Hello, the search for actionable intelligence is on. Time is running short. Investment in new technologies is the need. Software as a service is the solution. But which technology should I invest in today that won't be obsolete in 2030 or even 2025? Why is 2023 a significant milestone in the push for decarbonization? Will I need to recruit or upskill to get my business beyond 2023 to 2030? If the raw material, the new crude oil, is data and the jet fuel is actionable intelligence, how can responsible maritime businesses invest to benefit from faster and better informed decision making? My name is Richard Clayton and I'm Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List. Joining me to discuss all this is David Levy, Chief Marketing Officer at Orbit MI, a spin-off from Stena Bulk, which sees its mission as to unlock the hidden value of data generated by the maritime sector. David is a relative newcomer to maritime, but he has a wealth of experience in communications technology, analytics and business process. Welcome to this podcast, David. Thank you, Richard. I'd like to begin by exploring your mission to unlock the hidden value of data. Um, vessel operators are generating oodles of data day by day, hour by hour. Isn't that a better position than five years ago? It's interesting the way you phrase that, Richard, because in fact, vessels have always been generating, as you point out, oodles and oodles of data. Uh, propellers have always been spinning and throwing off vibrations. Hulls were always reacting to their environments. Vessels were always changing their positions even before modern technologies existed. To that end, we like to describe vessels as data generating machines, and they also operate in a dynamic environment, literally a fluid medium that also generates additional oodles of data every day, every hour, in fact, every second. It's just that only in the last decade or so that we can effectively and at scale collect and analyze that data. We can use sensors and other methods to notice, capture, transmit, and ultimately make sense of that data. So is more data better? It's another interesting question because data in its raw form is just a bunch of ones and zeros. It's essentially useless. Think about the concept of a signal to noise ratio. All data is noise until you can discern what is interesting then once you discern what is interesting, you must apply different technologies and processes to it to transform it into something useful, namely an insight that someone in the organization can use to make it make a decision. Uh, sometimes we describe this process as making data actionable. Other industries have been referring to data as the new oil, meaning it's the substance that will be used to lubricate the proverbial gears of business. But, but of course, in maritime, the, anal anal the analogy to crude oil is more apt. As we apply different technologies to data, it, like crude oil, becomes more refined and therefore more valuable. You must clean the data, make sure it's accurate. Then if you use machine learning to correlate that data with other data sets and ultimately apply artificial intelligence to transform those bits and bytes into something as powerful as predictive analytics, 
data becomes more useful to different parts of an organization. So in that sense, going back to your original question, I'd say that yes, Maritime is in a better position because the technologies that can refine that raw data into more valuable and actionable insights exist today and are getting better and more available. Okay, so I mentioned the milestones in the introduction, especially 2023 and 2030. These are approaching rapidly, obviously. Why is it important to get to grips with digital technologies as early as possible? It's a great question, Richard, and there are at least two components to it. Uh, one is getting to the data so you can refine it, as we've described above, and the other is learning how to use it. So let's talk about the first part, getting the data. Currently, most maritime organizations store data in multiple systems in different formats with different levels of quality and different ages. Some are more recent than others, for instance. A lot of data will still be in stored on people's personal computers, in spreadsheets, in places like Dropboxes. And Richard, we're not talking about five or six or seven systems. Many firms we speak to have dozens and dozens of systems. Often different departments have their own data and systems which are not shared with anyone else in the organization. These are the so-called data silos, which really have become a significant obstacles to companies that want to become data-driven. And to be clear, Richard, it doesn't mean that these companies did anything wrong. It's just that they made decisions based on information at the time, maybe five, 10, maybe 20 years ago. And those systems solved for a particular yet ultimately narrow business problem. They weren't thinking about the broader organization. They weren't thinking how data from one department system could be used in the workflow of another department. And this happens everywhere. It happens in every industry. Companies build up these kinds of systems in silos as a matter of course. But as a result, you have a jumble of data all over the place. And if you want to liberate it and find the value in it, you must get to it. So that's the first component. You've got to get to the data. Now let's talk about the second part, learning how to use the data. Let me pause here for a second because I want to make it clear it's very important, at least from our point of view at Orbit MI, that we are not here to lecture Maritime about how to run the Maritime business. Maritime has been around for a very long time and they've ju done just fine without people from Silicon Valley or Silicon Alley or anywhere else coming in like some white knight to rescue them. We take it as an article of faith that our customers know how to run their businesses and they know Maritime better than we do. That said, we do know software and we have been through these kinds of transformations in other industries before. So what we can reasonably and with some confidence say is that an experienced Maritime professional, when he or she gets their hands on this kind of refined, actionable intelligence that's delivered to them in workflow, they will be able to do their jobs better. Think about that experienced maritime professional who's looking for an edge or looking for a piece of insight that his or her competitor doesn't have. They would know better what to do with that information than anyone would. The thing is, there's a learning curve to understanding how to put all these pieces together. And I don't mean to suggest that software is difficult to use or that maritime professionals can't figure it out. Goodness, Richard, if you can navigate a VLCC from one port to another, you can certainly figure out how to use a software package. Uh, but software exists to improve and to accelerate business processes, some of which do it better than others. But what does take time, as with anything that's new, is understanding what you're looking at and how to understand how to best use this new source of refined information that's been put at your fingertips. And all of this 
getting to the data and learning how to use it takes time. So the sooner organizations can become data-driven, the sooner they will be able to take advantage of the data that they already have. So we talk about software as a service, S-A-A-S. Is this new technology or is it just new for maritime? So what is it and what are the benefits of software as a service? Richard, we get this question all the time and we need to demystify things to a certain extent. Software as a service is not a new technology. Instead, it's a new business model and a new way to, to deliver a relatively old and familiar technology, which is software. We have to go back a little bit. Traditionally, software has been sold and deployed, quote, on premises, unquote, which means it was physically installed on a personal computer with those old floppy disks, for instance, or on a mainframe, after which the company would give its employees access through some kind of login. Now, often these kinds of deployments would require hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of investment, take a tremendous amount of time to get up and running. They often required either investments in new hardware or upgrades to existing hardware. And these are big time contracts with a lot of risk associated with them and a really long time to realize value. And I'm sure many of your listeners still bear the scars of these kinds of projects. But in the late 1990s, the idea of selling software as a subscription was introduced. And this was all enabled by advances in bandwidth and the cloud, which allows software companies such as Salesforce or Microsoft with Microsoft Office or Cisco to deliver software to end users without all of the obstacles of investing in new hardware or installing individual programs on individual machines. The interface is a web browser or a mobile phone or any other mobile device that can access the internet. And so there are many benefits to a SaaS model. In addition to those that I've described regarding you know, hardware, software as a service reduces your risk. There's either no or a minimal upfront financial commitment in terms of capital expense because you don't need to buy any new hardware. Many companies, including OrbitMI, offer a try before you buy model, which lets you, lets you test the platform before you pay, pay for it. For us, until we prove value, we don't ask you for any payment. Much like subscribing to a magazine, you can try it for a certain period of time, and if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. Another benefit is speed. Because there's, because there's no need to install hardware, you can get up and running very fast, in some cases in a matter of days or weeks. Another benefit is future-proofing. Users get the benefit of system upgrades, meaning they don't have to rip and replace the system every couple of years. Orbit MI is built on such an open and flexible architecture that is designed never to lose value. And additional benefits, Richard, include um, some enterprise-grade uh, network and uh, server security, as well as off-site backup facilities, all things that companies used to have to pay for themselves. With, SA with SaaS, they don't need to. So I want you to join the dots for us between software as a service, as you've described it, and actionable intelligence. Is this only for the major players or can it be tailored for the majority of shipping companies who've only got five or ten ships? Oh, that's a great question, Richard. Whether you have a fleet of ten vessels or a hundred, those vessels are still generating the oodles and oodles of data we talked about. And you could benefit from these solutions. Now, SaaS solutions, which are deployed in the cloud, are available to companies of all sizes. You basically pay what you use, 
which in our case means the number of vessels on the software platform. In, in fact, one might argue, Richard, that it's the smaller companies that should be quicker to adopt SaaS solutions. It's relatively easy for them to gain a competitive advantage and with fewer systems than, than the, these massive firms, it may be easy to get to their data more quickly. So can you offer us concrete examples from Orbit MI's work with clients to show that actionable intelligence improved efficiency or reduced emissions, or hopefully both? Oh, absolutely, Richard. Uh, for, us, for us, efficiency and reduced emission, emissions are two sides of the same coin. If you think about it, bunker fuel represents somewhere on the order of, of two-thirds of the cost for any voyage. So anything you can do to reduce bunker consumption reduces your costs and increases profits for the same effort, which of course is the definition of efficiency. Consequently, any reduction in bunker consumption also reduces carbon emissions. And this is a concept that we like to describe as sustainability applied, where the decisions you make align both sustainability and profitability. And we have many examples of sustainability applied. Let me give you uh, one or two. There's um, an operations use case, which is enabled by alerts. Our customers can set thresholds for alerts and notifications based on parameters in their charter party regarding say speed or bunker consumption. When information comes in, say from a noon report or from sensor, sensor data that indicates the vessel is steaming too fast outside of those parameters or consuming too much bunker fuel, an operator gets an alert to their desktop or mobile phone, which allows them to assess the situation in real time. And the operators can take action to intervene or perhaps suggest uh, a, a more optimal route for the rest of the voyage. What our customers have told us is the ability to act immediately helps them reduce fuel even by a ton or two for each voyage, which reduces emissions and increases profitability. Now, if you think about it, each of those individual individual decisions over the course of a year, over the course of a fleet, can add up to hundreds or thousands of tons in fuel reductions, which leads to hundreds of thousands, if not millions in savings, as well as significant reduction in admissions. That's, that's an operations use case. Another example is the ability to use Orbit to leverage weather data. And we believe this will be really transformative. Take the case of a charterer. Uh, often charterers, when they have to plot a route for a particular uh, voyage and fixture, they select the shortest route for a vessel from point A to point B. Now, using Orbit and leveraging weather data, the charterer can turn on weather layers and weather forecasts to determine which route will emit the least amount of greenhouse gas. Now, that route might in fact be longer in terms of nautical, nautical miles, but because it avoids rough seas or other adverse weather conditions, it will reduce emissions and increase profits. Now, Richard, you're asking me to comment on Orbit, and I can go on for, for a long time uh, giving you different use cases, uh, but I think you need to keep this relatively short. Yeah, and that gives us a really good overview. Uh, thank you, David. Like crude oil, data needs to be processed to make it usable, and it's in the analysis of that processed data that the hidden value is unlocked. Shipping has spent the past five years pushing for digitization, the digital representation of the physical world. And that bit is well understood. And the need now has shifted to the push for digitalization, the use of digital technologies to provide new business opportunities.
Digitalization thrives on collaboration and a clear vision of the future, but the bedrock is intelligent analysis of data. Thank you to David and thank you to you for listening to this Lloyd's List podcast. 